Welcome to the First Issue Club comic book podcast. We're a weekly show that covers almost exclusively First Issue comic books. Duh! We're for new fans, old fans. It's the perfect point of accessibility for anybody. The classic First Issue. A signature of a jumping on point. How perfect can it be? The melding of our two beautiful voices, the intricate beauty of a comic book. It just, it's perfect synergy, baby. Mm-hmm. We're here. I'm coffee, you're cream. Ooh, and together we make cappuccino. <laughs> We're missing a little bit of sugar. We are missing a little bit of sugar. <laughs> it's me, Greg. And me, Mike D. And that's it for this episode. Yeah. Our sugar's missing. <laughs> our sweet little sugar made some sugar of his own, and he's tending to it. Budget yeah. King is not here for the episode. That's right. He is tending to a new little baby that baby. Him and his wife just had. Baby girl. So we uh, bid them good tidings. Mm-hmm. And we can't wait to hold the baby when it's safe and when I get over my fear of babies, having one of my own. I very much have always been the personality type that's like, do you want to hold the baby? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Oh, no, thank you. thank you. I've found out um, quickly with this new baby that I have what friends of mine are like that and which which of my friends are just like, I'll hold it in a rainstorm. Just let me hold the baby. Give me that. Um, it, it mostly revolves around uh, the neck muscles. Yeah, right. People don't want to hold a bobblehead. Yes. So um, I understand the fear because mm. as a new dad, I'm just like, that's my number one fear. One, dropping it. Yes. B, snapping its neck because right. I'm not supporting it correctly. <laughs> so the fear's always there, folks. Mm. New fathers, it's always there. Yeah. This is like if someone hands me like giant size X-Men number one and my hands are like soaking clammy wet. Oh, I'm my like, God. don't. Let me touch that. The perfect comparison for all us <laughs> for comic, a comic book, book nerd. Yeah. yeah. If, a, if a comic book is over $200, I don't want to touch it. Same. Because I will ruin it. I will somehow have Cheeto dust on my hand that I hadn't cleaned off yeah. for two years, and I will ruin your beautiful comic. Can I tell you, I finally read ENIAC number one. Ooh, the hard-to-get bad idea book. Exactly right. And it's germane to this conversation because it was immediately valuable mm-hmm. because of its limited printing edition but the not first printings mm-hmm. are coming out did you get one i got one i read it you can read those disaster free because they're just going to keep printing more really there's a disclaimer for people paying 20 bucks for the not first printing on ebay uh-huh it's a ripoff because they'll just continue to print them and print them and print them until people stop buying them what an interesting method isn't I it i guess it's cost effective for them because mm-hmm. they're not going to be printing 10,000 copies, they're going to be printing 5,000, and then if you want more, I'll print another 5,000. We'll right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, tell me what you think of it. I thought it was fantastic. Okay, so worth the hype. So the hype is, yeah, I think validated. And for those of you who don't know, ENIAC is about a, I think, a computer that essentially takes control over army planes and trains and automobiles, essentially? <laughs> yeah, and I think in reality, ENIAC might be the real name of the first computer. Ah, funny. And so this is like a sci-fi look at like artificial intelligence and they're using it initially to predict what the next move is going to be in the war. And then it gains enough sentience and it's smart enough to have predicted and prevented the Cold War before it like even happened and subsequent wars. And so what it does is just sends nukes, missiles, Mm -hmm. etc., wherever it sees fit. Right. To cause conflict. Now imagine if that thing essentially now has uh, access to 
your cell phones, mm-hmm. airplanes, like anything technological. Because everyone loves that idea. It's yeah. this logical thing that's just like, oh, that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Let's get rid of it. The problem is when it decides that you're the problem, mm-hmm. you're just like, hey, wait a minute. That thing's wrong. It doesn't know what the fuck it's talking about. Classic AI stuff. <laughs> well, do you remember the first artificial intelligence getting out of control thing that you saw? I think the first thing I remember that comes to mind is uh, the Twitter bot that they tried to make. Oh, you're talking about reality. I was talking about fiction. Oh, no, I'm talking about reality. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, do you remember this where they tried to like set up an ch- AI you, through Twitter? You could chat with like a yeah. thing that was And it tried to learn from everyone who interacted with it yeah. and it became racist in 2 days. <laughs> I do remember this. <laughs> um, but as far as far as fiction goes, it would either be Space Odyssey 2001 yeah. or the Matthew Broderick vehicle War Games. Oh, yeah, War Games, right. So that's where my first interaction is. Both of them, terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Both have cemented in my brain that AI, not a great idea. For me, it was Ghost in the Shell. Ooh. And it broke my- Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) (laughs) It took me that long (laughs) to watch a movie about AI. No, uh, so that anime broke my brain just because the concept- of like a robot having a soul and bringing into question like what is a soul really? Right. Um, as a preteen, <laughs> that was like holy shit. You're just like Bleh. dad, you've got to hear about this fucking movie. Dad, have you heard about this cartoon? <laughs> and he's looking at me like I'm high out of my fucking gourd. <laughs> my son likes his movie with cartoon tits in it, and I have got <laughs> more problems on my plate than I can deal with. I'm like, but it's not just about the titties, Dad. <laughs> it is deep. Um, Real question before mm-hmm. we get into the episode. When was the first time you watched Blade Runner? I first watched Blade Runner in high school, maybe. Okay. I, mine was five years ago. Okay, yeah. Because it had gotten to the point where I'm just like, it is so hyped. Yeah, you got to watch it. And like, I, I avoided it because I'm just like, what if I don't like it? Mm-hmm. And I can pretend enough that people are just like, oh, you like it. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen it, but yeah, I like it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, so I was worried to see it. Uh, we watched Blade Runner 2099. Yeah. Blew my mind. Okay. So then I was like, okay, now I have to watch. Oh, you watched 2099 <laughs> yes, before actual. Yes. Okay. That's funny. Uh, I'm, what can I say? I'm a Gosling head. So beautiful movie. Beautiful. They're both beautiful. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you put in your head that like, wow, the time frame this was made makes mm-hmm. the movie all the more impressive. Yeah, for sure. It's like weird art house, crazy budget for what it is. Yeah, and it has like a really poignant message. Yeah, and it's just like sleek and like mm-hmm. it's. Uh, would you consider it a cult classic or is yeah? It, okay, I think so. I, I still don't think it's something that, I mean, for nerds, we're all like, oh, yeah, Blade Runner. Yeah. But I think for your general audience, that it's a little more of a niche movie. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Thusly, a cult classic, as I define it. Man, first issue comic books, you wanted them, we got them. We're going to be talking about Rom V's Layla Star out on Boom Studios today, as well as Way of X from Marvel. Should we just get into these books? Just get right into the books. Get into these freaking books. I think the uh, big headliner of the week is Way of X. Way of X. Simon Spurrier, author we love. We adore. Mm-hmm. We stand. <laughs> we stand, correct. Um, and this book takes kind of like a, I would say, a long-awaited look at where Nightcrawler's at on Krakoa. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with X-Men up to this point, 
Nightcrawler's the blue one. He's the blue one. I don't know how to help you get along to where Way of X is. If if you don't know X Men or have read any X Men, yep. do not read Way of X. Right. It Correct. is a it is a exploration of the X Men as a whole, as a yep. people, as a society, and where they're going. And if you don't set, set very specifically in the microcosm of what falls out of the House of X powers mm-hmm. of, of X event, it's like so specific to the last two years of X Men comics. Right. It's the niche of niche yes. X Men comics. Yes. Avoid at all costs if this does not interest you. So I think, you know, a little bit of comic book news. So we've got a new X Men storyline mm-hmm. coming out, starting at number one again yep. with. Jerry Duggan. Mm-hmm. It picks up right where this Krakoa storyline is leading it to. Mm-hmm. But part of the idea is that this one's going to be a little more traditional and easier to read. We've got like an X Men team that's like, we're superheroes solving problems. And it maybe is going to leave some of the heavier politics right. and world discussion behind. Mm-hmm. So, good jumping on point coming? I would say so. Because Jerry Duggan is a very fan-friendly writer. Very accessible writer, yes. I would agree. Um, one problem is, I hate that they're relabeling it number one. And that's just me and a Marvel problem. Yeah. Let the numbers continue. It's mm-hmm. fun to have a long run of yeah, comic books. Right. Especially with X-Men. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you're absolutely right. Hickman is a really in-the-weeds kind of guy. Yeah. A lot of pages of just words. Yep. Like they're memos that you're reading that you're not supposed to be. That's being phased out. He's moving to another X-Men project that is un- that is classified still. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like trying to search for the name of it, and that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't find the name because it hasn't been released yet. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Totally agree. Jerry Duggan. Or is it Gary? I think it's either one. I say Jerry. I say Gary. Tell us if we're wrong. Mm-hmm. You, hey. <laughs> you <laughs> say tomato. Hashtag I... cream or coffee. <laughs> Which one are you picking? <laughs> Leave sugar out of this. They're not here to represent themselves. As an X-Man fan, Mike D, yeah. how did Way of X sit with you? I very much enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So the core concept of it yes. is that Nightcrawler wanted to create a faith for the new people of Krakoa. They've got this new island nation, right. a nation of one, all mutants happy and friendly and unified together. Mm-hmm. It deserves a religion and a faith. Not a new theme with Nightcrawler. No. He's a he's a Catholic, yes. essentially as close as you can get to a priest without being a priest as right. possible. Yep. And so he's always toyed with the idea of that mutants need like a calling or a religion to adhere to. And he's always at odds with the more progressive mutants, right? Mm-hmm. And that persists through this. Oh, Mag- yeah. Magneto, he's got plenty of beef with. Magneto's someone who's like, hey, you're human religion. We don't need. Yeah. You've met literal gods. Why do you need to continue to lift one up? Exactly right. We have a while we have a unified people here, they're all from diverse backgrounds, diverse faiths, and you're telling them that you're gonna come at them with like a new thing that's right. Mm-hmm. If you're making up a religion, what right. what makes you better than L. Ron Hubbard? Yeah, Nightcrawler Hubbard over here. <laughs> yeah, right. That you're basically making like the Scientology of mutants. Mutantology. Right. Throughout the course of this book, it's setting into him that he doesn't have what it takes to do the thing that they've been teasing he's been wanting to do mm-hmm. at all of these. He's like in the background of all the council meetings. I don't think, is he properly in the 
the X-Men Council. He may or may not. I'm pretty sure he is. He just doesn't like chairs. Sometimes in the scenes, he's like floating in a tree and just like, yeah, dudes. Well, when you have such a long tail like (laughs) that, it's hard to find a chair that Uh is really comfortable. Why would you want to walk like them and talk like them? Ooh, 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 ooh. (laughs) Jungle Book. Mm -hmm. Look it up. (laughs) So I enjoyed it. I find it interesting when Goofy Soup superheroes a blue guy with a pirate sword who bamfs who bamfs <laughs> has like a crisis of faith i think that's interesting i think this is a fun diversion of regular x-men team fighting yeah punch em ups yeah and the things that they explored and the things that they kind of uh, brought up in this issue are really really kind of relevant the mutants have uh, essentially in my eyes kind of lost their humanity because they're immortal mm-hmm. and so there are no stakes, which we talked about earlier on with the Hickman run. They're just yeah. like, what are the stakes here for these mutants if they know they can't die? Yep. Every mission can just be, you know, a smash and grab, and then there's no repercussions. Yep. And we see that with um, Pixie. She hasn't died. Is it, It's Pixie, right? Yeah. She hasn't died yet, quote unquote. She hasn't been resurrected. Yep. And so they go on this mission where she essentially just sacrifices herself to get it out of the way. Oh, yeah. Partly just to like, haunt a person Mm -hmm. like you'll never forget this asshole and then like walks into his leave us mutants alone and then like walks into his shotgun and he's like what have i done and there was there was that cool parallel there of just like um we'll we'll compare it to like your virginity Mm -hmm. like people always ragging on you especially if you're a guy like oh you haven't lost your virginity yet like i haven't it's not the right time Mm -hmm. it was such a cool scene to see that of the other mutants of just like it's not a big deal yeah. Just think of something fun, and then you'll die, and then you'll be back in a couple of days. Yeah. And reading that, I'm just like, whoa, holy shit. Hold yeah. on. The devaluation of life right, has not sat well with a lot of mutants I think we're going to find, especially Nightcrawler. Because my thinking is, if they don't value their own lives like mm-hmm. that, how are they going to value others' others' lives? Yeah, you think about the kids be resurrected. who get raised thinking like, Death is no big deal. Right. Mm-hmm. And so th- then it adds, you know, this weird dynamic in, in whatever mission they go on of, like, do they even care about the collateral damage that they're doing? Yeah. So I think a lot of interesting questions are going to be asked in this book, and I'm mm-hmm. very excited to, to explore them. I know. But there's parts of this that have a hint of the superiority complex that mutants may have in the future mm-hmm. and just, like, how much better they are than humans and <laughs> right. how we don't have to live by your rules and we're meant to inherit the earth that it you almost wonder like if it becomes sort of a religious thing at some point do mutants become oppressors even though their whole thing is living like peacefully off to Mm -hmm. the side um because of their lack of of repercussions for life and death well i always thought that with the hickman stuff their their method of ensuring peace Mm -hmm. was very forceful. Got you by the balls, yeah. And it's just like that's not a way for lasting peace to happen, yeah. though. There's, you, it's the the scales are tipped in one direction, clearly. Yeah. If you haven't read the books, the X Men develop incredible pharmaceuticals, and mm-hmm. they say respect us as a nation, and you can <laughs> or no more medicine or yeah, and you can have basically like the cure for cancer, right? So and okay, so I didn't know this. We, we it's explored in the book that there's like a long waiting queue to be resurrected. Yeah. To get your powers back from when Scarlet Witch said, and no more mutants. And yes. then millions of mutants lost their powers. Right. Which, to continue to see the fallout from that, which was like, what, five, ten years ago? It's 
cool for a storyline to have gone on so long. Right. Yeah. And th- they fucking hate the Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Mutants, like, are not cool with her. They're, yeah, they're, a lot of them won't speak her name, mm-hmm. a la Harry Potter guy. Voldemort. Oop, shit. God damn it. See what I was trying not to do? <laughs> <laughs> I should have taken the cue from that, but, oh, well, I'm an idiot. Yeah. I, I just think it's cool that um, the the rollout from that or the fallout from that is still continuing. Yeah. And then it's called the, the uh, ritual is called the crucible. The crucible. Right. Which is kind of its own religious. Yeah. Aspect. You pick a mutant, another mutant, normally someone you respect to kill you mm-hmm. in battle. So you die an honorable death. So when they resurrect you, when you're reborn, you now have your initial powers that Scarlet Witch had taken from them right. at some point. Which is, like I said, seeped in its own religious. Yeah. Um, Very eerie ritualistic. Yes. Sort thank of thing. You. Yeah. yeah. Um, my last thought on the book. Yep. More vomiting in comics. <laughs> this new mutant gets her power back and it messes with everyone's uh, inner equilibrium. ear. Equi- equilibrium. Mm. And everyone's just fucking vomiting Puking, all over yeah. the place. And it is the funniest thing. Really gave the issue a little bit of brevity. Uh-huh. So uh, everyone over in the X editing room, more barfing. Yeah. So I guess the the walk away for me is that, you know, kind of a repetition of what we said at the top of this. If you've been reading a ton of these X-Men books up to this point, it's a must read. Oh, for sure. It is a brick in the wall of yeah. like the X-Men castle that's being built. If you're basically like following some of the storyline on a blog and have been peripherally mm-hmm. an X-Men fan, skip this one. Yeah. Too hard to understand. Simon Spurrier is a great author and right. and maybe there's a chance you'll like it, but it's You're gonna be a, fucking lost. It's a four ninety nine comic and it and it builds on so much of what's already been built. I agree. Okay. Uh some DC news. Ooh. So as you know, or maybe don't know, the Hill House imprint is no more. Mm, um, the it was by uh, oh my god, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Joe Hill. Joe Hill. I wanted to say Hank Hill because I'm rewatching King of the Hill. <laughs> Damn it, Bobby. Uh, so the Hill House imprint is no longer making books. Okay. But it just got released that DC is doing a new horror line. Oh. That's it. It's not called DC Horror or anything. It's just called. DC and they do horror books. Yeah, and the first one they're doing is uh, the Conjuring, which is from the the movie, the New Line movie. Oh, bizarre! And it's intended for uh, an audience that's seventeen or above, they say. Uh-huh. But why not put it on black label? I don't know why they have to do this like separate horror imprint that yeah. is clearly not labeled anything. It's just you are supposed to know it's the DC horror imprint. And why the Conjuring? Okay, yeah, Conjuring. I agree. Weird. Mm-hmm. I sometimes I hate when major labels do other major properties. Yeah, like Star Wars on Marvel never sat well with me. Marvel is otherwise like a pretty unified universe mm-hmm. of things that all work together. Right. And then you have Star Wars sitting over on the yeah. left. Chewbacca sitting next to Beast. <laughs> it's just like it doesn't make sense, and it would. I mean, I think Star Wars books would sell in their own right if they were on a thing that logistically was like a silo off to the side. So I like that. I'll say when I look through my short box of black label books, it's nonsense. Like the titles (laughs) and the mix of things that are in there, Uh it's just like, what do these all have in common? Like almost nothing. Like some of them don't have like Mm -hmm. cursing, nudity, like themes that would seem to validate this more mature line. 
I think it's really just like they wanted the prestige format, yeah. which is like the magazine form. Sure. But is that really necessitate a whole new imprint? Well, I think the you know, the the Hill House books were technically under black label still, and those were all floppy comics, right? Right. And so I think they said, hey, let's take all of our m- more mature stuff mm-hmm. and put them over here. Mm-hmm. And then it just started to not make sense. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of black label now is alternate takes on their mainline characters. What what right. would John Constantine do in this, like, insane situation that has no repercussions on the mainline? What right. would Batman do in this uh, serial killer situation and something that's a little more mature than we would put in the mainline? Same with, like, the philosophical mindfuck Harley Quinn stories and the Joker stories that came out. Um, I think Black Label is going to be that moving forward and less of like, let's give Joe Hill an imprint and for like whatever reason, it's going to be mixed with like in between Batman Damned and (laughs) and Joker and Joker. (laughs) And uh, honestly, the Hill House stuff was solid. I bought every single Hill House book. It was really good. I love why it stopped. I don't know. But yeah, man, it was such a good. Maybe that's just like all he wanted to do. And. If so, kudos, because he didn't mm-hmm. let it get stale or, you know, yep. die on the vine. He only wrote two of them, I think. Other writers came on, and I guess maybe he either curated or edited some right. of those books. I think it's the same thing with, like, um, what Robert Kirkman does mm-hmm. with Skybound. Yeah. Like, he's just kind of in, in control. He sees the story. He's, like, yeah. the main editor. But he, I think Joe Hill did Basketful of Heads. And Plunge. And Plunge, yeah. So, if I guess if it shows you anything, Joe Hill could easily have his own comic publishing group Mm -hmm. and i'd be all about it baby yeah so joe if you're listening which i know you are find an imprint somewhere else if they won't let you do it at dc beg him beg him to give you vertigo i'm i'm assuming it was joe hill's choice because if you can get joe hill to write comics on your publisher yeah take that chance oh for sure yeah yeah he was he didn't go to dc and was just like hey uh you guys got any work i can do yeah He's you're, already busy enough. You're not taking a risk with Joe Hill. He's a talented <laughs> guy with like a huge, massive fan base. So I'm assuming it was his choice, and and hopefully he does something similar somewhere else. Yeah. Speaking of a massive fan base, we have a book up next by Ram V. Yeah. Oh, I am ready to get into this book. Hell yeah, let's talk about it. Layla Star, The Many Deaths of Layla Star. Sometimes I miss those tiny little subheads and preheaders. It's those little details that you come here for, and mm-hmm. we want to give them to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you think about this book? So I am a Rom V shill. Yeah. I have yet to read a book or a story that he has written that I didn't fall in love with. Mm-hmm. And this book is taking the early lead for maybe the top spot. Yeah. With what it has laid out. It's set in Mumbai, follows death, literal death, up in the sky with the other gods. <laughs> yeah, God Rome. Very bureaucratical up there. Yeah. I <laughs> know there's like an office. Right. God <laughs> has like an office that's like the manager is like, shit, I haven't talked to God in forever. Something must be wrong. I got to call a secretary. I loved like the elevator trip up to God's office was just incredible. Right. She's getting their paperwork ready. She has mm-hmm. her coffee. <laughs> and essentially death is fired yeah. from her job because a, a baby is being brought into the world that is going to cure death, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. And so if death is cured, you don't need to keep death on the payroll. Right. And so she is um, bestowed mortality. Yes. She is, um, uh, the book also follows a young woman who is in college, like her last day of college, and she jumps out of a window. Yep. And then uh, death takes over this woman's body, who right. I guess is Lila Starr. Yeah. And then it follows her 
trying to kill the baby that's going to cure death. <laughs> so she can, I guess, get her job back. So she can get her job back. <laughs> she doesn't want to be a temp. Um, it was a, it was amazing. Yeah. That premise alone, the, the, the bureaucracy of the afterworld mixed mm-hmm. with a displaced god in a human body with a ghost friend. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, the art was fantastic. I, there's so many little nuances that were great. Like when death is a god of sorts, she's got this very cold, unflinching perspective on like, hey, not everybody can live. Life's got to go. Mm-hmm. I make these decisions all the time. And when she realizes she's becoming immortal, she has this monologue that's like, I'm going to have my heart broken. I'm going to... Trust people I shouldn't trust. Yeah, people are going to let me down, like all this stuff. And you're like, well, hey, if you're a god above all these mortal things, wouldn't you come to Earth with that mortal, pers- with that immortal perspective? Mm-hmm. And part of being a human is having those feelings. Right. And they did such a good job of putting her in a contrasting role in that mortal form and like immediately feeling like, compassion for this baby she's right after to kill she she's worried that she'll have flaws yeah and she doesn't want the flaws she's essentially perfect as a god right as the god of death and then you're right when the there's this little ghost in the hospital that is just like hey listen i know i'm fucked up i'm this little girl ghost i just like staying in hospitals i know that (laughs) says something about me but the ghost they find the baby and the ghost just like oh it has a name and Death's just like, why did you give yeah, it a name? Don't tell me the name. <laughs> that was so smart. Because th- there's that old, I don't know if it's a story or an adage, but it's just like, once you give something a name, yeah. it makes it more real. Yeah, right. And it makes it harder to uh, not care for it or you know not hurt it or whatever. But What's his face? The guy who wrote Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe? Um, oh, man, why do I want to say T.S. Eliot? It's C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, that's right. <laughs> he has a handful of philosophy of religion books that he's written right and one of the core things that i think he was like a pioneer in proposing was that we've got like a capability to impart a soul upon things that otherwise would not have some like our pets right that you love and adore this thing you're imparting like human compassion and will mm-hmm. on this being that you live with and becomes part of your family. Sure. You're basically giving that thing a uh, soul. Mm-hmm. And and you've got a lot of people who are like, wait, uh, 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 we're not gods. We can't just decide what has a soul and what doesn't mm-hmm. to like make us happy. Right. It's like easier to go to bed at night yeah, if I know seriously. that like my puppy's going to be in heaven with me. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll sign me up for that religion. Me and Rover on like some couple of clouds just having a good time. But it but yeah, it's it's such a good point made here for this comic that that's just like part of humanity is mm-hmm. like wanting, you know, and and seeing in things that are loved that you want more for them and and it's it's easier to see them as a person and a being because of that. Right. And she escapes the hospital, and she immediately dies. Yeah, runs she in gets, front of a she truck. Gets, she gets ran over by a truck. And then she is reborn, or wakes up six years later, from mm-hmm. the god of life. Right. And he's been like, I don't know, keeping him, keeping her in his apartment or something? Like, yeah, unclear. Right. But I think that's where we're going to get the many deaths of Lila Starr, is her many attempts to kill <laughs> this baby. And it's just the the... I don't think it's going to be slapstick, but it is going to be a humorous 
um, interpretation of like yeah. what is life and what is death. Well, and it's so funny that the god of life is basically I don't know if he's out of a job too. He's like an immortal form now. Right. Right? Uh-huh. So it's like what you know happens in between <laughs> is like life, right? Sure. But if like death is solved, like do we need a god of life anymore? So you think they're going to be working in tandem? I think that the two of them work in tandem. Right. To whatever means to an end that they, you know, I think are going to figure out as the story goes on. I'm like, I loved the time jump. Oh, so it was done beautifully. To leave the very last page of this book being like, oh, he's not a baby no more. Yeah. Like, let's check in on him. Yeah. By the way, he's not a baby. Yeah. I was like, oh, what a good line. Because you can kill a six-year-old. Yeah. That's way easier than killing no a baby. No problemo. Oh, man. Look at those little shits. Have you ever hung out with a six-year-old? Bastards. Rough. All of them. <laughs> oh, just rife for punching. Uh-huh. Yeah. Can't wait for the next one. Yeah. This, mm. It's it's five issues. Mm-hmm. It's a limited series, which is a little bit of a bummer. But maybe that's the silver lining here is yeah. it's not going to get drug out too long and the story will be told at a pretty good pace. Right. I have faith. Oh, what a nice way to put it. Yeah. This is a very faith-based episode. <laughs> we just found out. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're looking for more, if you can't get enough First Issue Club, join us over on the Patreon. We've got hours and hours of additional listening content and new episodes each and every week. And a little preview. We're going to be talking about... <gasps> we have a topic... Alice in Leatherland. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. Black Mask book. Uh, mm-hmm. Another publisher with a great track record. Yep. In- but no digital releases. Why do you do this to me? Yeah, brutal. <laughs> Until next time. Bye.